NBA All-Star Roundtable Show. You've heard of the best of the best. Well, here comes the worst of the worst, the tankers, if you will. Who's here because they want to be here? Who's here by accident? And who will be the next team to escape the bottom of the standings? Coming up right here at Locked On, a whole bunch of different places. Locked On Pacers, Locked On Rockets, Locked On NBA, wherever you listen to your Locked On show. Locked On Thunder, Locked On Magic. It's in a bunch of different places coming up right here. NBA, your daily NBA podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome to our NBA All-Star Week Roundtable Extravaganza, where we are checking in with the worst of the worst across the NBA standings, the Tankers team, if you will. There are some familiar faces here in this roundtable group, if you were with us at the beginning of this NBA season. However, we do have a couple teams that have since escaped, and we have a new addition to the roundtable group. Tony East of Locked On Pacers joins us uh, happily, unhappily. Tony, how are you doing over there? Uh, it's interesting because the Pacers haven't picked in the top 10 since 1989. So it's very weird to be here, but honestly, for a franchise that's been struggling to get out of the first round since Paul George has traded, a welcome addition to the Tankers group. Well, we we thank you for making this your first listen of the day, wherever you're listening to this at, wherever it's Locked on NBA or Locked on Pacers, Rockets, Magic, Thunder, wherever it may be. We thank you for making this your first listen of the day. We're joined. We've got Ryland Styles of Locked on Thunder. We've got Philip Rossman Reich of Locked on Magic. We've got Tony East of Locked on Pacers and myself, Jackson Gatlin, host of Locked on Rockets. Now, guys, to quote one of the greatest pieces of cinema of this century, Guardians of the Galaxy. I look around at us, and you know what I see? I see, I see losers. Now, mainly people just have we've, we've lost a lot of games, is what I'm trying to get at here. That's that's kind of what's going on in this group, unfortunately. Now, the real questions you know in front of us are who's here because they want to be here, who's here because it's an organizational goal to be here, who's not exactly trying to be here right now. So let's start with just kind of the most recent stuff. The NBA trade deadline just passed. And I think of this group, of this collective group, there's there's one team that was really largely impacted by the trade deadline. Tony, go ahead and take us away with the Halliburton acquisition and kind of what that means for the team's goals, for the Pacers' goals moving forward. Because you and I had a check-in not long ago where when all the news first started coming out about the Pacers, you called it a retooling, not a rebuilding. How do you feel about that now? I honestly still feel the same about those terms. And Kevin Pritchard, their president of basketball operations, said the same thing in his post-trade deadline presser. He said, we're not rebuilding. We want to be back to where we want to be in the East very soon. But they stink this year. It's time for the Pacers to do some sort of swapping of something this season. And when you're as bad as the Pacers were at the time they made all these trades, 18 and 39 was their record, you have to do it. And they had a game this season. They played Charlotte at home. And they gave up 158 points, which was the most in franchise history. Why does that game matter? Because their owner was in the building. And despite his resistance to tanking and being a team that bottoms out, seeing his franchise get completely embarrassed was terrible for his team, for what he wants to do, for where he felt this team was headed. And so despite the Pacers not wanting to ever be in this group, even the season that they're currently sitting at 20 and 40, they still don't want to be here. But it was time, and that's why they did what they did at the trade deadline. 
shipping Karis LeVert out for draft picks, shipping DeMontis Sabonis out for Tyrese Halliburton, getting a shooter in the door who fits what Carlisle wants to do in Buddy Heald, getting an asset for Torrey Craig, all types of things that rebuilding teams do and stuff that the Pacers have never done. So it's going to be fascinating to see that despite them making moves that clearly look like rebuilding moves, how they navigate when their president says they're not rebuilding. Rylan, I was utterly shocked that Sam Presti didn't garner more first-round draft picks this trade deadline. Are you pleased with what happened this deadline? Were you expecting you know, more draft capital to come the Thunder's way? Yeah, you know, the only real move that the Thunder could have made was I'm sure they could have traded Kenneth Williams, and they wanted a first-round pick for him. Obviously, they didn't trade him, so they clearly probably didn't get that offer. But the, the trade of Kenneth Williams could have gone either way. The Thunder really like this guy. He can be a part of the future and help bridge the young core into a more win style with his culture setting defense and leadership. And he said he wants to retire in Oklahoma city. He's one of the few that love the culture of the city and want to live within Oklahoma city. So that also played a part in not trading him away and past him. You don't really have many options to trade. I mean, Mike Muscala wouldn't really fetch much. And he's another guy who loves the organization and you're not ready to trade any young pieces yet or draft picks yet. So it was between favors and, Kenny Hustle and Mike Muscala, and there just wasn't really anything out there on the market to deal those guys for anything that was worth it in return. It felt like this was kind of a really weird trade deadline, not really a, a you know a seller friendly market, if you will, is kind of what we saw. Philip, walk me through the magic and and you know anything that you were kind of expecting to see at the deadline, and kind of how you you know going into the deadline, did they match your expectations for what they would do? Yeah, I mean, I think sort of like what what Ryland said, I think the Magic were kind of in the same boat where they had a couple of kind of veteranish guys that they were looking to to move to to get another first round draft pick or to get another young asset and the market just wasn't there. Um the, you know, the Magic of Terrence Ross, who's a really quality sixth man that a lot of teams seem to be after. Utah seemed to be after him, El- the Lakers seemed to be after him. There seemed to be a little bit of a market for him, uh, uh but no one was willing to go to that first round pick price that the Magic were looking for. Uh, I think that Joe Ingles injury kind of threw a wrench into some of those plans too, because the Magic probably wanted either a veteran back uh, or or to 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 get to get get something in return for him, even if it was just an expiring deal. Um, and then uh, similarly, Gary Harris, you know, he's got a big contract, he's got a big number attached to him. Uh, Orlando didn't find what they were looking for 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 him, and it sounds like the Magic aren't planning to buy him out, or that he's not seeking a buyout from them. He wants to kind of finish the season out in Orlando and maybe even resign. So it sounds like Orlando. Uh, stuck with their veterans and kind of kind of pushed a lot of their questions um, down the road to next season uh, with with some of these veteran players that they have mixing in with the young guys that they have. Um, the only move they made was to add Bowl Bowl and PJ Dozier uh, to help the Celtics clear some clear some money uh, to get under the luxury tax. And you know we'll see if Bowl Bowl actually plays before the end of the season before he hits free agency. You know, very similarly, the Rockets were in a position where they could have dealt potentially Eric Gordon to a number of contending teams. Ultimately, they didn't like the offers that they did have on the table for him. They made a very lackluster move in moving Daniel Tice for Dennis Schroeder and uh, Ines Cantor Freedom. And that was not well received amongst Rockets fans. They were very upset that no draft capital was garnered for Eric Gordon. So it doesn't really seem like, apart from the Halliburton acquisition, so congrats, Tony, because he reeled off a, a stretch of very impressive games just before the all-star break there it feels like the pacers may have just walked into a franchise cornerstone type player uh so the sacramento kings are going to be the sacramento kings it looks like but apart from that you know it doesn't really feel like any substantial moves here at the deadline now i will say you know as alluded to previously 
when we did our preseason roundtable of the tankers group, the Cavaliers found themselves in that group, right? They were fresh off of the number three overall pick in the draft, picking up Evan Mobley. And I don't think anybody, even the locked on Cavs guys, shout out to Chris Manning and, and Evan Damarell, they not even they could have predicted that the Cavaliers were going to take this absurd leap into where they are in the playoffs this year in the Eastern Conference. So I posit the question to you guys. With our current group uh, of this Tankers roundtable, who do we see as a team that is potentially, maybe we'll go with most likely, not necessarily a certainty that they make that jump next season, but who out of this group is most likely to take a significant leap next year, a la the Cavs this season? Rylan, what do you think? Not to be a homer, but I think that it is positioned to be the Thunder, just given the fact that Josh Gay's ascension to this triple-double machine as a rookie that can pass the ball better than anybody we've seen and his stardom, so to say, in the SGA as an all-star caliber player, plus Lou Dort and the other competent pieces the Thunder have, if they get draft lottery luck, which is we saw last year, when they could have had two top five picks and end up with none. That's a big if. If they get lottery luck and nail that pick, and that guy's also a Josh Giddy type that is immediately an impactful rookie, well, there's not really many ways to tank anymore because all of your players are young. All of your players need time to grow. All of your players need minutes. And you can't like shut them down or put in veterans that you just don't have. All of your veterans are quality NBA players right now. And you don't really have those empty roster spots plus three first-round picks coming in this year, plus historic draft capital to go make a trade in the offseason. I just think that they're really well positioned if they get the lottery luck to just go for it next year if they wanted to and if they hit the pick. Philip, you're gonna go with another homer pick and pick the magic. Uh, I, I will. I will play the devil's advocate and 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 argue the magic. But I, I do think it's a, a, out of us that are here. I think the Pacers are probably the closest. Like like Tony said, they're, they're more of a retool than a rebuild. They've got some established players. I mean, that, I think that's that's the big thing. I think you know Ryland kind of hinted at that with his team. I'll hint that hint hint on that with my team. Um, they have guys who have proven themselves in the league already. Whether it's Tyrese Halliburton, whether it's Miles Turner. Uh, they'll obviously bring in a, a nice draft pick. And of course, you know, they have TJ Warren waiting in the rings. I know he, wings. I know he's going to be a free agent this summer, but he's still a really talent, really talented scorer. But I'll make the argument for the, for the magic and why there's, there's at least some reason to believe in magic here. Um, honestly, like Orlando's played this whole season with, with two of their starters out of the lineup. Um, uh, uh, Markel Fultz and Jonathan Isaac have yet to play this season. Um, there are rumblings that Markel might be close to making a return. Uh, the magic have kind of, made it clear they want Jonathan Isaac to play at some point this season. Why he hasn't is a mystery, but they have, they have some guys, they have some, some young players obviously who have proven themselves as, as starters on playoff team on a playoff team, at least um, who can help this team out tremendously. They've got a ton of young talent who've shown some great growth this year. Jalen, Jalen Suggs has really started to come around here in the last month or so since coming back from the, from the thumb injury, you, you know, you take you take a guy you take these young players and, and spin them forty year. Franz Wagner has had a great rookie season. He should be an all rookie team player. You take these young guys, spin them forward a year. They should get better. It, it, it certainly can't get worse. And so while I think maybe the Magic are still missing that one guy that that the whole franchise can center themselves around. And, and I think that's going to be what this draft is going to have to be about for this team. So like Ryland said, you're relying on lottery luck on the lottery gods smiling down on you and the right number combination popping up in that in the in the ping pong ball hopper, but. Um, I do think the Magic have a ton of young talent that is is it just needs something to coalesce around to, to get them back into the playoff picture. 
aren't we all just relying on lottery luck at this point? That's kind of what it comes down to. We're praying to the ping pong gods that the, the balls bounce in uh, our respective markets favors, essentially. But Rockets find themselves in a similar boat. Just I- I'm still going to go Pacers. I-, I think of the teams that are here, the Pacers are poised to make the most significant leap from where they find themselves this season to where they could be next season. But the Rockets are a very hopeful team, right? A lot of talent, a lot of really young, raw players. Half the roster is either in their rookie or sophomore season. They're going to be adding, hopefully, another top prospect out of this year's draft. Ideally, one of the top four candidates somewhere, you know, with so much talent at the top part of this draft. So with that, Tony, uh, I mean, everybody kind of already pled their case for the Pacers. So are you going to go, are you going to go in a completely different direction here? Not really. I mean, the team, they have Miles Turner and Malcolm Brogdon on an already established vets. They have TJ McConnell. Philip mentioned TJ Warren, right? They already have some guys in place who are good now. And the Pacers don't bottom out. They, I don't expect them to continue to do that. Plus, they have a pretty good net rating this year. I mean, better than the Pelicans right there with the Wizards and the Knicks. And the Lakers. not good, but like way closer to a reasonable thing than where they are in the standings. They've just lost a million close games. So I think it could be the Pacers, and they will try for it to be the Pacers. But also, the Pacers owner said in the middle of the season, "No, we're not gonna, we're not gonna rebuild. We don't rebuild. I don't tear it down." And then they tore it down. Actions always speak louder than words. Perhaps they get to the summer and they trade away Malcolm Brogdon, they trade away Miles Turner, and they continue down this Halliburton-centered path. And then I wouldn't pick the Pacers. So right now, given who they have and given what it looks like they would like to do, yeah, I would pick the Pacers. But Maybe they make some rebuilding moves and I wouldn't. And I would like to advocate for the Thunder a little bit for the sole reason that of the four people that are chatting right now, Shea Gilgis-Alexander is the best player on any of those four teams. And that, I think, just naturally leads to an easy ascent when you have the best player in a star-driven league among a group. I don't know if he'll peak at the best player amongst the four teams here, but certainly right now and for the next couple of years, he will be. And Josh Giddy looks awesome. They still have a lot of other young ascending stuff. So it's not impossible to me that it's the Thunder very soon amongst this group that are the best team. You're going to have a lot of Tyrese Halliburton stands who are very angry at you, Tony. So That's right. just, just, just tread lightly here. But coming up, we're going to do a quick check-in on just kind of how the season is going for our respective teams. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Look, if you're looking for a daily fantasy option for the NBA, then you need to check out the award-winning app Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made so easy. You're going to love it. Just got to check it out. It's so simple. You pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times back on any entry, and it's just you versus the projected numbers. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that simple. Prize Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Look, it even allows mixed spot pickums. You know, it's, I mean, at the end of the day, look, if you want to make some easy money, right, you can just go pick what, Rylan, I mean, with Josh Giddy, it's pretty safe assumption. You just pick all the overs on his points, assists, and rebounds, right? Because he's a triple-double machine now. Is that right? Obviously, three straight, four total. As many in his career as John Rant has in his entire career. Shout out, Sean. What else can you need to see? You know, maybe maybe we need to see if Prize Picks might be able to offer some uh, missed dunk props on uh, <laughs> for Jalen Green because that might have been some easy money on All Star Saturday night. I'm just going to put that out there. No, but for a limited time, Prize Picks does have an exclusive no brainer of an offer for all of our listeners. Listeners get fifty dollars for free if a player in your first Prize Picks entry scores just a single point. But all you have to do is use promo code MBA. That's right. This is an exclusive offer available to Locked On listeners. Sign up today and use code MBA fifty dollars for free if a player in your first Prize Picks entry scores just a single point. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. 
All right, guys. So as far as the season is concerned right now, we've kind of, you know, broached this topic a little bit, but, you know, it, it feels like a handful of these teams are, you know, essentially here on purpose. And, and we might just be able to blow past this talking point really quickly. I think Tony East with locked on Pacers, the Pacers being the only team that is kind of here by accident. Do we all kind of agree with that sentiment? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I, fi I figured that I figured we just kind of clear the air on that one. But it's more of an interesting talking point is just kind of as far as how this season specifically has gone. Has it gone, you know, accurately to how you'd expect it to go? And, and you know, what were you kind of expecting coming to the season? And how has it played out in your eyes to this point? Philip with the magic, you know, is the season going as you expected it would? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I expected the Magic to to be one of the worst teams in the league. I thought I thought they'd struggle. I thought they'd have a few more wins. Um, you know, I think COVID hit them a lot hard, hit them really hard in, in December there for a little while. Um, they had a a game where they had to kind of rush people in from Lakeland, and and there was about a week there where it was really really tough. And their schedule's about to light, lighten up here to, after the All Star break, so I, I kind of expect them to win a few games and climb out of the worst record in the league, but. Um, to some extent, you know, I think the Magic have shown all of their youth in, in every facet. Not only do they have a young team, they have a rookie head coach, and, and it is really shown. I think Orlando's uh, been really good about kind of sticking to, you know, kind of pointing out the things they've done well and staying optimistic and staying really, really tied together. I mean, I've, I've covered a lot of teams that have not won a lot of games. I've covered a lot of teams that have been at the bottom of the standings. It has been a rough decade for the Orlando Magic. Um, I am, I'm still very surprised and 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 encouraged by just how tied together and how bought in everyone still is. It'd be very, very easy at this point of the season with the record the team has to just kind of be like, okay, we're just playing it out till the end of the season. But these guys have still been working really hard. They're still kind of in each other's corners. Um, again, like I think it says something that Gary Harris and Robin Lopez don't want buyouts. They want to see this thing through this season. And, and you know, maybe Gary Harris even stays uh, in the off season. Um, it's still a bit of a disappointment because Jeff Weltman, the Magic's president of basketball operations said at the beginning of the season, one of our goals was to re was to use this season uh, a kind of season with no pressure to reintegrate Markel Fultz and Jonathan Isaac back into the fold uh, from major injuries. We're already three quarters of the way through the season, or almost three quarters of the way through the season. Neither of them are back on the floor yet, and so it's been very disappointing not to be able to get a chance to see what they look like. Um, and I think the Magic just haven't really coalesced around an ident a queer identity yet, which is you know something I wanted to see. I just wanted to see like an outline of who this team's going to be. And, and I don't think we've been there, been there quite yet. So there's still, I think, a lot of work for the Magic to do to just kind of figure out what they're going to do moving forward. You brought up a great point there that rings so true for the current iteration of the Houston Rockets. Is it's it's a team that's still so very much struggling to find their identity. I mean, obviously, this team went on a 20 game losing streak last season. Uh, Steven Silas's first season as head coach, worst losing streak in franchise history, and then reeled off. 15 straight losses to start this season, which was just nobody had like illusions of grandeur coming into the season for the Rockets that they were going to be even vying for a play in spot. Maybe some of the more blindly optimistic like Rockets fans and pundits possibly, but anybody with any sense of like realism was like, no, this is going to be a bottom three team in the West again. But nobody expected that level of losing right out of the gate. I mean, things got bad pretty quick. The optics looked rough. Steven Silas was supposedly on the hot seat around 10, you know, losses 10 11 12 they started you know mounting and i don't think anybody expected the season to derail quite that quickly but past that really rough start 
you know, I come away thinking that the season's largely gone kind of as expected. Once they got away from that ridiculous 15-game losing streak, they were able to then focus on the development of the young guys a bit more. They got Daniel Tice out of the lineup. They got David Nwaba out of the lineup. They were kind of trying to balance you know, some of the the veteran play with the young guys trying to, you know, accent the young guys play. And sometimes that just doesn't work, right? It just, you just need to throw the young guys out there and just let them have at it and really experience NBA basketball. And they're still kind of guiding the young guys with Eric Gordon, but they've really largely focused on development now in this latter half of the season. And that's kind of the, you know, the impression that I'm getting as we're heading into this final one third of the season. But Tony, how has this season gone differently for you, for the Pacers, uh, you know, because I'm going to be completely honest, Tony, it feels like Miles Turner and Demontis Sabonis have been in trade rumors for the last, I don't know how many years. So I feel like coming into the season, you almost had to have an expectation that, oh, you know, more of the same old, same old, there's more rumors. Are you shocked that one of them actually finally got dealt? Yes and no. I mean, it, it was time. It's been time for two years. It's given me many a podcast topics to discuss, but, you know, it, it's been long been time for them to, to break up the pairing and look at, like, it's pretty obvious what the Pacers wanted this year. They hired Rick Carlisle. You don't hire Rick Carlisle to be 20 and 40. You hire Rick Carlisle to be 40 and 20. So it, it's been certainly a disappointing season for this team. And everything everything that can go wrong has gone wrong, right? Their schedule was really brutal. And, you know, you guys all cover the league. Every coach and GM says the same thing before every season. Ah, we play 82 games. We play the same opponents we played last year, blah, blah, blah. This year... The president, Kevin Pritchard, and Rick Carlisle are like, oh my gosh, our schedule is insane. You know, I ne- you never hear that from leaders like that. And then they got hit really hard by COVID. And then Brogdon missed a couple months. And then Miles Turner missed a couple months, right? And then Karis Levert missed a month at the start of the season. Like every important player's missed time. COVID hit them like the magic all at the same time in like a two-week stretch where they're playing guys that are in the G League that are flying from Canada into America to play like at the last second. Like everything that can go wrong has gone wrong. And yet... I still didn't think they'd be this bad. Like, I predicted they'd go 500. And that's still possible if they go 21-1 and in their last 22 games this season, I suppose. But, yeah, it's been nothing short of a disaster here in Indiana. And that's why I'm making the trade to finally break up the bigs happened. Uh, you know, I think everybody kind of thought it'd be Miles Turner. But if you can get Tyrese Albert, you get Tyrese Albert. And so, certainly disappointing. And for this franchise that never has seasons like this. And I, I'll be very curious how they rebound. But literally, if you if you made a list of, what what could go wrong for the Pacers this season? How could this? How could they win twenty of their first sixty games? Basically, everything you'd write down has happened, and cl- so that that's how they are where they are. And I think that the optimist view is that none of those things can all happen again next year, right? But may- maybe they can. You know, they have a lot of injury prone players, and it's kind of a similar roster that struggled the last couple of years. So we'll we'll see where this team is headed. Uh, but certainly, nothing has gone as expected in Indiana. Rylan, I mean, are you, as far as with the Thunder and how things have gone this season, again, I already, I already gave you a jab about Sam Presti and not, act, and not accumulating more draft capital, but, you know, with where the Thunder are at right now, I mean, is it more of the same old, same old, or have there been any surprises in the Thunder season for you? Yeah, not much drama. I mean, this is just a young team that has lulls in the maybe second quarter and the third quarter, and that kind of dooms them the entire game, but they stick together. They're well coached. They have fun highlights. They have the Lakers takedowns in the first part of the of the season before the calendar year turned over. They they've only dealt with a handful of injuries. I mean, SGA's been sidelined since early January, but he says on on Instagram he's going to return. Uh, JRE's out for six weeks, which is which is a promising you know young rookie. But uh, all in all, it's a pretty healthy team. It's a team that's playing good basketball. They're just losing because of how young they are. 
They have a promising young coach. They have promising young players and they're putting themselves in position to have the best lottery odds they can. And that's really all they're missing. So of all the teams here, I think that this is the most non drama field team, which is kind of biding time to the draft lottery and hoping this time it goes their way and they could kind of move forward from there. All right. So with that, I I, want to know, and I'm going to put a caveat on this question of the teams that are here right now, which team is doing the best job of rebuilding so far with the caveat, you can't pick your own market. How's that? So Philip, why don't you lead us off? Oof. Um, that's, that is, that is a tricky question. Um, you know, I, I, I will say this. I, I, I do like what the thunder have done, um, in kind of positioning themselves. Uh, like, like, like I think Ryland said earlier, Shea Gilgis, or I think you, you might've said this at Jackson, but um, Shea Gilgis, Gilgis Alexander might be the best player of the four of us that are, of, of the teams that are being represented here. Um, and, you know, I think all of us can probably attest to. Also, hey, I'm just going to point it out, Philip. Actually, Tony said that, but we Tony both said have that. amazing, we both have amazing <laughs> hair. So I can see how you guys all of us, <laughs> I, I'm going to credit everyone with saying everything. I cover <laughs> all my bases. Um, now, that, as, as Tony said earlier, um, Shea Gillis-Alexander is probably the best player of the four teams being represented here. And you know, I think we can all attest to this. Like, you can't go anywhere in this league unless you have that kind of star player. Um, it's hard to kind of graduate from the rebuilding phase of your 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 program until you get that star, until you get that star, until you get that guy that you can really build around. You might have some nice flash in the pan years, um, like the Knicks, are, Knicks had with Julius Randle or... Honestly, like the Magic had with Nikola Vucevic, like those are good players. They they can they can get you to the first round maybe on occasion, but you can't sustain success that way, and you can't get out of the first round that way. You need those star star you need those star level players. And Shea Gilgis Alexander, when he's on the floor, it really feels like he's he gives all of, you know at least for now the best chance of getting out there. I also really like the the role players that Oklahoma City's put around him. Uh, Lugens Dort is a really good defender. They defend really, really well. They play really, really hard. And again, they're just maybe missing that one what that one piece. They're maybe just that one big move that kind of pushed their chips in the middle of the table with all that draft capital move away uh, from being being ready to kind of take that next step. And I think for I think the question with Oklahoma City is like, when are they going to make that move? When are they just going to be done with rebuilding and kind of push some chips in and say, this is our team where we're going to roll with it? Or are they just going to keep waiting for, for them, waiting for the lottery to hit? Um, before they actually do that, but they're 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 really well positioned, I think, to make that move uh, sooner than a lot of us are. Tony, which direction are you going? Yeah, this is tough because to evaluate the actual rebuild, like you look at the moves everybody made, like the Magic got good value for their vets last season, and the Rockets did a great job getting a lot of stuff from the James Harden trade, and the Thunder have done rebuilding moves for the last couple of years. We got a ton for Paul George, and did great to get out of Russell Westbrook when they did. Right, like and Chris Paul even like that. You know, we don't talk. We don't. Rockets. We don't talk about those <laughs> trades. But even the Rockets did okay getting out of Russell Westbrook after they did a bad job getting him. But still, so and the Pacers did what they just did a couple weeks ago. You know, all these teams have done a pretty good job with their value. So it's kind of comparing the rookies, and that's not fair because that's kind of the lot. You don't pick the lottery; it just happens. So it's kind of like the margin moves that kind of are deciding who's doing the best to me. That's where I go to the Thunder. Congratulations to Ryland as he's already smirking up there. Like the way that they have been renting out their cap space for the last few seasons is something that none of the rest of the three teams have done yet. It's still possible that they all can do that in the future. In fact, the Pacers haven't had cap space yet, but the fact that the the Thunder have done that to get extra assets or bring in players that are being 
somewhat valuable for them, you know, is really impressive. And I think that's been the best rebuild in terms of strategy so far. But, you know, these things are never done in terms of these minor moves. Like eventually one of these teams is going to do something that takes them over the top. And that's when this question will really be answered. But as of now, the team that has Shea and has made the best margin moves, the Oklahoma City Thunder is my answer. You know, that or some team's going to do something really, really dumb, right? With all the assets yeah, they've yeah. got accumulated, they're going to make a well, really atrocious move, and suddenly all those years of rebuilding are for naught. Yeah, like, the Kings will make I, another. Been there. The Kings will make another panic trade at some point, and that's what got the Pacers into this group in the first place. Tyrese Halliburton was a Kings panic trade. It happens. Franchises do that. So who's to say we are not the next? Right, but I, I, I agree. We're actually going to go three for three here because I'm also going to go hey. Thunder because. Uh, very similarly to the Rockets, the Thunder with the Paul George trade setting themselves up for the future, the Rockets with the James Harden trade setting themselves up with the future, owning another team's draft assets that far out into the future is amazing because any level of uncertainty with those franchises and suddenly you're sitting there salivating thinking, oh, please, those picks are going to be so juicy, so great. And first round draft picks are the currency in the NBA. The more of them you have, the more big moves that you can ultimately make. Now, Unfortunately for Sam Presti, eventually he does have to make a move with those draft picks. He can't just keep hoarding them like a dragon hoards his gold. But I will say that where the Thunder and the Rockets, you know, differentiate is the Rockets haven't quite made those at the margin moves to really utilize like the cap space that they're sitting on to try and, you know, flip some of their extra vets. They haven't done those little extra things that the Thunder have done and the Rockets don't have their version of SGA yet, right? They don't have a, a true blue cornerstone best guy on you know all of these worst teams right a true guy that they can build around yet they've got a lot of guys that they can maybe hope turn into that in possibly Jalen Green possibly Alperin Shingoon thank you Rylan and the Thunder for LP but there's you know there's a lot of potential there but they don't have that one concrete guy just yet so I will also tip my cap to the Thunder which brings us to you Rylan so who are you going to pick seeing as how I already prohibited you from picking your own organization <laughs> Uh, that really puts me in a bind here. I've got to pick one of you three after you all admitted that the Thunder are the best. <laughs> you know, it's okay. You're 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 doling out second best. That's what you're doing right now. Yeah, I'm I'm sorry, Philip, but uh, you're not in contention for me right now. It's between the Pacers and the Rockets, and Sam Presti's brainwashed me. So I'm going to go with the team that controls another team's draft, and I'm going to go with the Houston Rockets mainly because of my belief in Jalen Green. I think that that swayed my decision between the Pacers and the Rockets. I mean. I covered him with Team McKnight last year, and there's many a tweets out there me saying that he's going to lead the league in points uh, multiple times in his career. I've said on podcast, I just love his him as a scorer and as an athlete and as a just a star to you know in market your team and market your organization on top of being an elite player at some point in his career. So I think that 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 acquisition of drafting Jalen Green kind of seals the deal for me. Plus Brooklyn, I, I'm not. You know, no one can predict how they're going to do five, ten years from now, obviously, with, with all these draft picks that the Houston Rockets have. And, of course, Shingoon, who is uh, the one that got away from the Thunder in that trade. But that, that trade uh, is still an interesting one for Oklahoma City, uh, plus all their other young players like Josh Christopher even is a really nice player. Jay Sean Tate, is he still young? He's 50 years old. Who knows? But I do like uh, Lockdown Rockets and then the Houston Rockets over there as the second best rebuild of, of us four. If, what is Jay Sean Tate now the Thon maker? Is that what's happening? Is he the, right. the guy whose age we just don't know? All right. Well, coming hey, up. I like to gonna... think of him as the Malcolm Brogdon of the group. Okay. There we go. <laughs> all right. All right. So Jay Sean Tate's the Malcolm Brogdon of the tankers. Well, no, wait. Malcolm Brogdon's in the tankers group now. This is no fair. We can't. We need to have the one like old man. As a rookie. As a rookie. He was an old man okay, as a rookie. Okay. Chris Duarte okay, is on the bad. Pacers right now. There you go. <laughs> 
So this is just, we've got a Pacers theme going here. Now, um, with that uh, coming up, we're going to dive into probably the part that uh, everybody in this group is most looking forward to, and that is the draft and the future of these organizations. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online because as football might be over this season, we've still got basketball in full steam for both pro and college hoops. You've got all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to wind up landing. BetOnline.net is your number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. You know, guys, I've got one gripe, and that is that we need to get some, like, tankers bets going on BetOnline because we've got, like, you know, top of the division, top of the conference, championship odds. We need some tankers bets in there, right? We need to get, like, a Tankathon-sponsored segment in there for BetOnline. You know, just what team is going to finish bottom of the barrel, lowest odds, all of that. Because we've got the over-under on wins. We've got those betting lines. But we really need, like, a true blue, like, we need a lottery line is really what we need through bet online. Do you guys agree? Come on. Absolutely. I, I, I'll, give, I'll give my team a 14% chance of winning the lottery. <laughs> There we go. That's exactly what we need. We got to get in touch with the guys over at BetOnline to get that fixed. But besides that, it's not. It's also not just basketball. They've got you covered for hockey, boxing, UFC odds, right to the Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action available to you. BetOnline, where the game starts. Alrighty, guys, final segment here, and this is the part that I'm sure many of you are looking forward to. I know that I look forward to it every single day that I crank open Tankathon and run a simulation just to see where the Rockets wind up. So that's as good a place to start as any. How often do you guys open Tankathon on your computer? Is it on a daily basis? Is it on the hour? Is it every time you sit down to record a podcast, you make sure to have a Tankathon tab open? Tony, you're actually the freshest face in this group. So have you been become accustomed or acclimated to the you know, love that is hitting that tankathon spin wheel. It becomes addicting after, after a little while of doing it. Uh, no, I have, uh, not been a tankathon yet this season. I don't think I will. I'm very anti, look, this is dumb for this podcast specifically. I'll just keep it short. I'm very anti the idea of tanking in sports in general. It's stupid that leagues have set up systems where losing is encouraged. But besides that point, the Pacers will definitely be very in tune with Tankathon and odds and their projected pick location because they have never been here before. They literally never have. Of course, they wait till the NBA smooths out the lottery odds to finally decide to do this. So they might not even end up with that great of a pick. But yeah, it's time for them to, to be Tankathon experts and learn what their chances are of getting the kid playing really good college basketball just an hour away, maybe, in Jaden Ivey. It's time for you to become a tankathon expert, Tony. We're going to indoctrinate <laughs> you. We're going to force you. Blah, this is peer <laughs> pressure. Yeah. You know, in fact, Tony, I need you to open tankathon on your computer right now because oh, I was okay. going to do the spin for us later, but we are going to do a tankathon spin to wrap up this show. And that'll be our parting gift is it'll be to- it'll be Tony East's first ever tankathon spin. And <laughs> we'll get to, you know, either damn him or congratulate him for whatever happens because of said spin as we run through a quick, you know, rundown of the the top picks. But Rylan, I'm sure you open tankathon at least what, twice a day, five times a day. You know, last year it was by the hour, almost the quarter of the hour. And I would text you every single day, screenshots of the Rockets pit going to the thunder. And I'm not <laughs> kidding you. Like you made the example I would have Tankathon up every podcast, and at the end, I'd spin it. And if it was a good spin, I'd say it on the air. If it wasn't a good spin, I'd kind of move on. But the thing about it is this year, I'm down to like once a week because of how bad last year went. Last year just ruined me because every hour I'd be spinning it, and it looks so good. Two top five picks for the Thunder. Everything's marvelous. And then lottery night comes, and they don't get a top five pick at all, much less two of them. 
So that kind of took the the wind out of my wind sails, out of your sails so a little bit. Exactly from Tankathon. So I, I I just do it once a week now, and I'm probably gonna start ramping back up because I'm an addict. I'm a degenerate, but as of right now, once a week. Ryland said he had to wean himself off. What about you, Philip? Uh, I promised since we were at the All Star break that I would post one Tankathon spin per day. Uh, I think I, I I reached two days, and I I've already kind of stopped doing it. Um, I'll. I'll go maybe once a day. Um, like like Tony, I hate the idea of tanking. I tend to uh, mute anyone that sends me tank gifs during the course of the season. Uh, I, I that's a great I, idea. I, I worry. I like I tell everyone. I, I worry about Twitter mentions. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I I tell I tell everyone like I'm worried about the team I have on the court. I want to see them do the best they can. Bad teams are bad. They don't need the help being bad. Yeah, I'll, I'll do a spin. And so you're not going to win the lottery anyway. You know, I, I again, I, I told myself this season that I wouldn't do a single tankathon spin until 2022. And I actually held true to that. I didn't do that. Now, I did, however, cave because there was a week in November in the midst of the 15 game losing streak for the Rockets. I caved and I did a draft episode all the way back in November. Ooh. That's how bad it got during the losing streak. Ooh. I told myself I wouldn't do any draft content until the new year. And it got so bad with the Rockets. I was like, I have to pivot. I have to turn heel somehow here. And I did an episode like just barely talking about Paolo Bencaro and Chet Holmgren and just like, hey, let's light at the end of the tunnel. Like, I know it's so dark right now, but like there's light. It's, it's one of these two guys. If anything can be salvaged, from a, I think at the time it was like a 12 or 13 game losing streak because it felt like we were headed for part losing streak 20 games in a row, part two in Houston. I was like, just just look at these guys and just like, oh, I didn't open the tankathon, but we did look optimistically at the future. So, with some of those names in mind, guys, I mean, there are so many interesting names at the top of this next draft. Who do you think should be the number one overall pick? And then conversely, you know, which player at the top of the draft do you want to see your team take and why uh, let me go with you first Ryland, because I, I think the thunder you know potentially might have the favor of the basketball gods this year seeing as how they were betrayed in this last year's draft i'm not gonna like you know undermine my own team's possibility of scoring like a top three pick but it feels like the thunder are owed a little bit this season I mean, just let Darren Moore completely off the hook with some random top four protection. Who would have thought? Why do you even protect that pick is my question. Uh, what a smart man he was. But, I mean, it's so interesting because the Thunder have such this weird, versatile team where you have SGA and Josh Giddy both want to be point guards. SGA's been able to play off ball before in those three-guard lineups his first year in Oklahoma City when he played with Chris Paul and Dennis Schroeder. And so he's comfortable playing off ball. You don't Rockets want to limit legend, yourself. Dennis Schroeder. Sorry, I'm just going to throw that in there. Hey, they were a top team that year, I might add. But uh, you don't want to limit yourself in any way. But I just can't stop envisioning Jabari Smith on the Thunder on draft night. And with that core together, now they're not going to go win a title next year, but you're running out of ways to tank whenever you have all these what look to be quality, really good upper echelon young players to where you get closer and closer to the play-in by the day. And for a team with historic draft capital, the closer you get to that play-in slash playoffs, the easier it is to go get a disgruntled star who's out there around the corner always in the NBA. Philip, who are you eyeing with that number one pick for the Magic? Uh, I, I have Jabari Smith as, as my clear-cut number one guy at this point, too. Um, just his ability to score, his, his ability to shoot jumpers at his size is just really impressive. I think he's got the the smoothest, most complete, kind of most unique game. And, and, and like I said, like, 
kind of the big point of all this is, is go find your star. Um, you know, where if you're drafting number one, you're not worried about positional fit. You're not worried about kind of making you fit what you already have. Their roster needs to fit around the guy that you take, that you pick at number one. Um, you know, the magic do have some big forwards. They have Franz Wagner, who they drafted last year has been really good. They have Jonathan Isaac allegedly still. Um, if he ever plays again, uh, he will, uh, but, um, they, you know, you don't really know what his future is going to be. You don't really know what the, what the team's future is going to be. Um, they're loaded at guard, but you know, you take what the draft gives you. And, and I think Jabari Smith um, has the potential to be that kind of franchise cornerstone star scoring type player, which is, you know, something that this magic team needs. They just need guys who can put the ball in the basket, um, create a little bit, maybe off the dribble and just be someone defenses have to pay attention to um, the way Smith's shooting has developed this year's three point shooting, especially um, has been really, really impressive. I, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a coincidence that he is kind of, I don't think he's a consensus number one, but I think he's pretty close. The closest thing we have to a consensus number one at this point of the draft process. Headlines everywhere read the Indiana Pacers pick drought has come to an end. They walk away with the number one overall Tony East. Which direction are you going? Like the first two who spoke Jabari Smith, I think is probably the best player, but man, I'm not sensing enough love for Chet Holmgren here. I think Chet is really good. I haven't caught Gonzaga a ton, but when I have, I mean, his defensive instincts are just so impressive to me. He reads the game really well and that kind of pattern recognition translates even with your athleticism and strength aren't quite there yet. So I think his defense will be really good pretty quickly, as quick as defensive centers can take. You know, that always takes a little bit of time to keep up with the NBA. His offense will come around. He's already a good shooter. So, yes, he's very skinny. I understand why people are hesitant on him in general, but I think when he bulks up, he will be a very good NBA player and a very, very good defensive center. Miles Turner only has one year left on his deal, and like Phillip said, these teams are bad for a reason. You pick the best player available at the top of the draft if you have the number one. Chet deserves a lot of mention in this conversation up there with up there with Barry Smith, but those two, I think, would be who I would be looking at at one, two for Pacers. I'm actually largely in the same boat. I'm right there. I've got Jabari Smith just edging out Chet Holmgren right there at the top. My big board currently actually falls. We've got Jabari Smith. We've got Chet Holmgren. I've got Jaden Ivey over Paolo Bancaro, which seems to, in some circles, that's a that's a hot take. But with that, if you know, if I'm the Houston Rockets and the Rockets walking away with potentially a number one pick in this year's draft, I would have my eyes set firmly on Jabari Smith. He feel it feels like he's got that like. Maybe maybe not like full-blown superstar potential, but a guy with that level of shooting size, athleticism, defensive potential, all like the makings of a top-tier NBA player. Maybe not the guy who's ever truly knocking on the door of superstardom, but a guy that you absolutely want to be able to pick up and you'd feel incredibly good with about walking away with the number one pick in the draft. Now, as is, is there a guy, you kind of hit on this, Tony, but you know, talking about Chet Holmgren not necessarily getting enough love, but is there potentially a guy getting almost too much hype in the draft process this time around. And for me, actually, that guy is Paolo Bancaro. I'm not completely sold on on him. I'm not going to say that he's not going to translate at the next level, but I feel like at this point, it's almost he's overhyped to an extent, right? I see that he's going to have an incredibly high floor, arguably the most NBA-ready prospect, I think, potentially of the bunch, but I don't see his potential ceiling as nearly as high as the other top three prospects with this being kind of a consensus top four draft. Ryland, what do you think? Uh, first of all, I think that Poku walks so that way uh, Chet can run, uh, but uh, I, I can see. The wait, wait, does, does Chet have a fanny pack? That's in? right. <laughs> I can see the concern about the ceiling, especially with Paolo. I think that he's a really good player, but 
whenever you're in the position that these teams in this podcast are in, you really need a higher ceiling and you really need to find your blue chip star. And so I do, I do agree there that maybe for these specific teams here, it'd be best to go in a different direction. If the lottery shakes out the way it should. Now, if some play in team finds a way to leap up with their 2% chance, then that conversation changes a lot. But I think that you are right in this case. Philip, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I, I would I would say this first and foremost. I, I, I think there's kind of been established a, a clear four. Like those, the four guys that we're talking about right now, uh, Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren, Paolo Bancaro, uh, and Jay Nivey. I, I, I think that at this point, it feels like they have kind of separated themselves from the pack. I, I think there's some interesting guys beneath them. Uh, there, there's the Memphis kids. There's um, the, G, the G League Unite kids. There's Johnny Davis from Wisconsin. There's uh, a couple other players that are interesting, but I, I think we've got a very clear four at the very, very top of the draft. Um, it might be me because I've been going through the Mo Bamba experience for four years, and it's been a lot of frustration. And I'm not saying that 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 Ch- Chet Holmgren is going to have the same struggles that Mo Bamba has had, but I am a little bit scared of just the really skinny big man. Um, I will say this. I think Chet Holmgren seeks contact out a lot more than Mo Bamba does, even if he can't take the physical punishment quite yet. Um, and so I think that's a really good sign. Mo Bamba is still a little bit sheepish around contact, and I think that's why he's had a lot of the struggles that he's had. Um, like you all said, Holmgren's defensive instincts are a lot better. He doesn't just rely on his length. He's actually out there making plays. But, you know, the NBA is a man's game. Um, and, it, and I think that, you know, if you're drafting Chet Holmgren, A, you're going to need to be patient. You're going to need to really manage him well, and and I think you do have to be a little bit of little bit afraid of what if he can't put on the weight, what if he can't, what if he can't kind of take that that step physically that you need him to take to be a really key player. All of a sudden now, a you're not only waiting another year, probably going through the lottery ringer one more time, but b you put a lot, you put a big big investment in him, and if it doesn't pan out, or if he deals with injuries, or you know, you, you get, get a Christoph Porzingis situation where you're dealing with a lot of injuries where, you know, there's clear talent there, but he just can't stay on the floor. Then, then you're in a little bit of trouble there too. Tony, anybody overhyped right now in your eyes? Not really. Um, I like Paolo a little more than you all do apparently, but I like all the top four. I agree with all of you that it's really a four player draft. The only, I guess, a opinion I would have that feels maybe a little different that consists. I do agree there's a clear top four, but I think the between four and five is like huge this year. Humongous between four and five. And I maybe that's kind of a, a common prevailing take. Like Shaden Sharp hasn't played a game. You know, that he mocked very high a lot of these places. Johnny Davis is good, but like I've watched him a lot because I watch IU basketball and I watch the Big Ten and he's good. But like the gap between him and even Ivy at four just feels huge to me. So maybe I don't overrate or underrate too much anyone in the top four but i feel like after four it's like wow you know th- these are good players but you're not necessarily getting this even close to the same value you are in the top four and i think that you know whoever ends up picking fifth which could very well be someone in this group you know we're not even talking about detroit sacramento is only like two games out of being in this group despite them going for it this year it could be some heartbreaking drafts where you end up having to overpick a guy this year All right, Tony, with that, you're going to be the one to take us home. We're going to do your very first tankathon spin ever. So let's click that sim button and Uh, see who we got. Here's how bad button is. Is it just tankathon.com? Yes. Oh, he didn't even pull up the page. Come on, Tony. I told you to pull up the page. I'm ready. I'm on it. I have found it. Let's go. All right. 
Uh, All right. Our lottery winners. No one in this group. That is unfortunate. Uh, Seriously? Oh, man. Top four. (laughs) The lottery winner was the San Antonio Spurs, and then Houston second, Orlando third, Detroit fourth, OKC five, and the Pacers at six. Not a great day for me and you, Ryland, but I'm sure our Rockets and Magic hosts will take that. All right, Tony. Well, here we'll. So I need you guys to help me on the way out. Correct me if I'm wrong, but like even with the top odds, your expected pick is like three and a half. So getting the top three is still awesome. Okay, congratulations to the top three. Getting the top three is still pretty cool. But on the way out, let's 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 burn through these picks really quick. Tony, I'm gonna let you since you fell all the way to six. I'm gonna let you pretend to be Jeff Garcia of Locked On Spurs really quick. (laughs) Who are you taking number one overall? You can spoil all of our dreams by taking Jabari number one overall if you really want to. I am. I am. I cannot help you guys just because the, the lottery did not go away. But yeah, Jamari Smith, I think, is the best player. I think he should go number one. All right, so Rockets were number two, I believe. So I'm going to roll with Chet Holmgren at number two overall. I think Magic was third? Yeah, I believe, we were, I believe we're third. Um, you know, I, I, I think that the Magic at three are going to be faced with a really difficult question, and I, I need to probably do, do some more homework and figure out what, what they would do at three. Um, I, I think the Magic... Honestly, I think the Magic take Jaden Ivey at three. I think the Magic go a little bit off board. They go with the, the dyna- dynamism, uh, the length at the guard position, and they lock in their backcourt of the future in, in Jalen Suggs and Jaden Ivey together. Remind us who number four was, Tony? That would be the Detroit Pistons, who have oh. Killian Hayes and Cade Cunningham already. Could really use a wing from Duke by chance. <laughs> no, they, well, you're trying, to, nah. yeah, you're trying to send... Trying to send Just trying uh, to help. Sal Apollo to uh, to the Thunder. No, we're gonna we're gonna do coup a solid here, and we're gonna we're gonna send Paolo Bancaro to Detroit, which I think brings us Ryland at number five. <laughs> this is terrible. Here. You want to waste the bad picks now, Ryland? Different verse, same as the first. I mean, <laughs> what do the Thunder do here? I will say this is a prime trade area right here for the Thunder, especially considering where the Clippers pick eventually lands, whether that's in the lottery. We're just outside the lottery. Given that you have three first-round picks this year and that you have a huge roster turnover to overcome, plus still having historic draft capital after this draft is over, uh, this would be an interesting spot to see if they'd want to trade up or down from this spot here. I'll go with A.J. Griffin at this spot, but I I really struggle not to reach on on one of my favorite prospects, but I won't do it. I'll go with A.J. Griffin here just and play it more safe. All right, Tony, take us home at pick number six. You know, a guy I watched a lot last year when the Pacers picked 13th and I was trying to figure out was Ben Matherin from Arizona. Uh, I don't think I'd pick him at six, but I really liked him last year. So perhaps that's the best name I know really well available. A guy I also have watched a lot in my Big Ten college basketball watching experience is Keegan from Iowa. Holy moly, this dude is lighting it up, scoring the ball. Keegan Murray, I highly recommend you check him out. He's had some banana scoring games recently. A little older, but I suppose, I mean, he plays a position in need and can light it up that he would fit well with Hal Burton and Duarte and whatever else the Pacers decide is a part of their next course. So we'll go with Keegan Murray, uh, thanks to his recent heater. That's going to round out our Tankathon spin, the very first ever Tankathon spin. Well, not quite live on air, sort of live on air for Tony East of Locked On Pacers. But that is going to do it for our Locked On NBA crossover roundtable. Again, you got Lo- uh, you got Tony East locked on Pacers. You got Ryland Styles locked on Thunder. Philip Rossmarek locked on Magic, and myself Jackson Gatlin of Locked On Rockets. As always, thank you so much for checking out all of our shows. Whether you're on the Locked On NBA feed, the Magic feed, the Rockets feed, the Thunder. Feed or the Pacers feed. Thank you for checking out the shows. Thank you for making them your first listen each and every day. 
If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, brand new Odyssey app, free and available on all platforms. Also, be sure to check out the shows on YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search your respective Locked On show, hit subscribe, like, comment, drop your notes for all of us. Which draft picks are you most excited about upcoming in this draft? Is Jabari Smith the consensus number one, or did we get that completely wrong? Let us know in the YouTube comments. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at all of our respective Locked on NBA shows, your team every single day.